You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Well, hey, North Canton Chapel, welcome to our third and final week of Won't You Be My Neighbor. As you can tell, I'm joined by Dave and Kara Short, and um, so I'm excited about this this week, Um, not just because it's another interview, but um, you get to hear from Dave and Kara, and I know Kara's super pumped about this. It's like your favorite thing in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, being in front of a camera, so... Um, well, here's the idea. A lot of you have asked, you know, hey, why are we doing interviews? And um, especially with this series, why is an interview maybe a better format than a, than a typical message or a sermon? And um, here's the thought. I think a lot of times when we talk about neighboring, neighboring is an issue that, that you kind of discover. You have to work it out of, in, in yourself and figure out what is God calling me to do. And so in the context of these interviews, uh, we've seen and heard people just kind of wrestle this thing out. And just to be able to talk it out, I think, is is very beneficial. And so today you're going to get to hear from Dave and Kara for our third and final week of Won't You Be My Neighbor? And um, so we're going to invite them to share a little bit of their neighboring story, um, what God has shown them as they neighbor well. And uh, so I'm really excited about it. How about you guys? Yeah. For sure. Awesome. Kara's like, let's go. So, all right. So we're going to start um, this week, kind of where we started every week so far. Um, when we say the word neighbor, now obviously that means a lot of things. It can mean a, like a geographic neighbor. It could mean friends or family. But what does that word mean to you? Where does your brain go when you hear that word neighbor? Yeah, uh, I'll go ahead and echo what was said last week and the week before from James and Britain. And uh, I'll try not to consume all the talking. I'll let you share a little bit today, too. So. Um, yeah, kind of echoing uh, what Britton and James said in the last couple of weeks, um, you know, neighboring or being a neighbor is not something that we get to define. You know, Jesus redefines what it is for us in Scripture. We see in Luke chapter 10, um, Jesus tells this story of this parable of the Good Samaritan. And um, it was kind of in a response to somebody who, who knew the, the religious law of saying, you know, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And um, you know, it was more than just doing or knowing what to do. It was about being proactive and living it out. And uh, so Jesus tells a story about the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. Um, and we heard Britton talk about that last week. And it was all about like meeting needs, right? Meeting tangible needs. Uh, neighboring is uh, what James said two weeks ago uh, when, when John chapter 1, where it says, and Jesus, the word became flesh, right? Jesus became flesh and, and moved into the neighborhood. So this incarnational model of living neighboring is is every bit of, of both of those things it's um, it's being present um, I would say it's also a really a posture of how you live your life it is a it's choosing to willingly be present and active in the places and spaces that that you live work and play and um, you know w- when we think of neighboring I think a lot of times we think of proximity proximity is like people that are, are close to you. But not everybody has the, the luxury of like proximity. Everybody's context looks a little bit different. Maybe you live in Hartville, uh, no judgment there. Maybe you live in East Canton, no judgment there. Um, but the reality is like not everybody has physical neighbors right next to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the beauty of, of understanding like this, uh, this journey of neighboring is, is more about um, 
more about being obedient to Jesus and less about, you know, you know, it doesn't depend on my proximity. It depends on my obedience to Jesus. So, um, yeah, I'd love to, to get into kind of what God's been doing in our lives over the last seven years and our journey and our story. Yeah, share that. I think, so you guys have a neighboring story. I think it's, it's helpful for us to know no one is naturally a neighbor. Um, we, we don't naturally incline this way. I love that you say that Jesus defines this. I don't define it. We have to just obey what Jesus says and we become neighbors. We start to act neighborly. We start to do things because we start to care about things differently. So um, I'm interested for both of you as a family, you guys have five kids and, and your journey over this last several years has really been a journey about neighboring. And so um, tell us a little bit about your story. How has God brought you to a point where you're obeying Jesus, becoming neighbors? Um, what's that been like for you, this journey? Yeah, uh, it's been a crazy wild ride. It's been a journey. It's been ups and downs. It's been a walk, steps of faith. Um, but to kind of summarize and give, give everyone the high points of our story, um, that's actually part of why God called us out of where we were and to, to move down to Canton, is to, to learn how to live on mission and to be neighbors, right? And um, so for me, I've been in ministry for 14 years. I've been a pastor. And um, seven years ago, I was pastoring. I was a youth pastor at a church. And you know, very comfortable, complacent, and going about my my role as a pastor um, and seeing my calling to ministry as a as a job, mm-hmm. and um, you know what God was doing in our hearts and in our family at that time was, you know, we were surrounding ourselves in community with other people. We were growing in God's word, and um, really starting to dive deeper into what it looked like to live on mission. And so this whole this whole idea of you know, growing, being sanctified by Jesus, living on mission, neighboring, like was something God was starting to do in us. Mm-hmm. At that same time, um, our oldest daughter came home from Sunday school mm-hmm. and um, she was five years old at the time and she's now, she's going to be 12 here in about a week. And um, so Leanne came home and, you know, she's like, Dad, this morning I learned in Sunday school that, that, I was supposed to, that we're supposed to love our neighbors. She goes, Dad, how come we don't know our neighbors? Well, and for us, it was like this reality, this gut check of, she's right, we don't know our neighbors. Here we are living this comfortable Christian life as, you know, in ministry, right? And, um, you know, engaging in things within the church, but then separating ourselves off from those who are directly uh, around it, us. It's like you, and I love that you say, like, you're in ministry, you're obeying God, you're following what you think he's calling you to do. And anybody who would look at your life would say, like, this is this is right. Like, look at you guys, you're very busy, you're very involved. But there was still something missing. And I love that God used Leanne to call that out. How, how cool is that? Yeah, no, that's, it's, it's super cool. And I think it's, for us, it's really foundational. Continue to remind ourselves, um, that God used our daughter in the midst of our own sanctification to continue to spur us on to obedience. And so what that looked like at the time was Leanne just continued to bug us about, like, we need to go next door and meet our neighbors. We need to go next door and meet our neighbors. And, you know, we lived on a street where, you know, proximity, we had people next to us. And it was, we had no excuses, right? We, we had the gospel. We had Jesus. We had, we should have been compelled to, to love others well. And um, so Leanne bugged us for like two weeks and, um, we finally mustered up the courage to to go next door, and uh, I think we made some cookies. I think you made cookies. I always uh, I always designate her to, to help kind of initiate some of those tangible 
you know, hey, we've lived here four and a half, five years. We don't know you. Uh, <laughs> here's some cookies. Here's some cookies. <laughs> yeah. So, which is always a great way to break the ice if you haven't met your neighbors. Uh, so, um, but anyway, we go next door. We meet Gary and Dana and um, you know, learn a little bit about them and come to find out that they had been foster parents for 20 years. Oh. And they had never had any children of their own. And really what started happening in us is like, and shame on us for living here for four and a half years, not getting to know them. Um, here they are loving people, loving children that are not their own. And, and, and as followers of Jesus, we're not, we're not taking that initiative. We're not taking that step to go meet them, at least get to know their name. Um, so during this time, like God was really starting to work within us and uh, opening doors uh, for us to step out in faith, move down to Canton, move into a neighborhood and, and really figure out what it looks like to live on mission. And that, that's really the start of our, of our journey uh, of neighboring. And, um, you know, you said it's, it's not natural. Neighboring's not natural. And I would say, you know, this is different for everybody, everybody's personality. Like, I find it easy to talk to people. Uh, I talk a lot, but there's a lot of times I don't have anything good to say, yeah. but I just ramble on. <laughs> and, I, uh, I'm only nodding because I feel that way. Like, I can fill up empty spaces with words, but am I actually building a relationship? Right. Yeah. I think that's a tension that a lot of us might live with. Um, but, you know, naturally, I think we all, we all look at um, the things that we're wired to do and how God's wired us. And, and we ask the questions like, what can I do? How can I, how can I be a good neighbor? So, you want to share something on that? Uh, speaking into that, um, I'm a very introverted person. Um, I'm a quiet, like, I'm content to be at home and just with my family, but not a few friends here and there, whatever. Um, so, like, I'm not the first one to go talk to somebody. I'll be mm -hmm. one to watch. Like, I'm, I'll sit and watch and just take everything in around me. But um, something that God um, has shown me is, like, I do have a voice. And um, a lot of times I don't speak because I feel like what I have to say isn't really truly going to matter or it's not going to make any difference. Um, but um, he's shown me that I have, I have Jesus to give. Like, I have mm -hmm. been given so much, and I can at least just say hi to somebody and just get to know them and um, hopefully let them know that they're loved, um, at least by me, and hopefully that they can see God's love through that. Um, well, and so conversations don't come easy to me. Like, if a person's a talker, like, I can fill in, like, yeah, and I can listen very well. Like, I'm good at listening, but not so much as the contributing or, like, going out of my way to be like, hi, I'm your neighbor. Like, I'm not going yeah. <laughs> to do that more than likely. But um, as you have those conversations, like, God's shown that there's other little ways that you can still be a neighbor without necessarily having to say too much or um, like just being a listening ear or if you hear of a need that somebody has like I've had lots of people just like I'm doing this for you like you can't say no kind yeah. of thing and so like bringing dinner or when we moved help us pack um, I had a group of ladies just be like we care about you we see this is not going well for you because you have <laughs> a bunch of little kids and you're pregnant and all this stuff and so they just came and packed up my house one day and it was wonderful and having the community there of um, people just as I'm packing and feeling nostalgic or whatnot like just there's other little ways that you can step in um besides just having conversations too of just like seeing a need and trying to meet it the best I way love that can. and I think even neighboring a couple of things I hear you say Kara like neighboring is we think it's giving right we we love to give as neighbors right and you, you guys even talk about cookies right or helping somebody but neighboring is also receiving which is really hard because it's like no I've got to I've got to receive love from people just as much as I want to give it 
And I'm imagining for, you know, a lot of us watching right now, it, it is hard to receive something freely from somebody because like, no, I don't want to inconvenience you. I don't want to, no, I don't want you to go out of your way to help me. Like I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll do something for you. But that's, that's an aspect that I, I don't think we often consider. Um, something else you said, Kara, I think is really, really cool um, is when, uh, this, this is how it hit my brain. So this is how I heard it was like, when, when we neighbor like Jesus calls us to, we're not giving ourselves away. We're giving Jesus away. And what, that, that is a very, uh, a very huge statement that we need to sit with because I think a lot of what hinders our neighboring, when we think about people around us, people that we might interact with, is, well, what do I have to give? Who am I, right? Is it insulting for me to think that I'm here to, you know, oh, I'm going to bring encouragement because I'm so great, right? It's, it's not that. I think, I think when we, we get that way, that's just being, that's not being a neighbor, that's just being selfish, right? But what you guys are saying, and I think it's so encouraging, and I know it's true, it's how you do this thing called neighboring, is you just give Jesus away. And you just talk about Jesus. And like I think that it, it's, it's like disarmingly simple, and it's really beautiful, and that, that's irrespective of personality type, which I think is really, really encouraging. Because I know a lot of people watching, you'd say the same thing that Kara just said. You go, I'm quiet, I'm an introvert, I'm not this gregarious, like I'm not going to hop the fence, and that's not my thing. And so I love, love, love that you said that. Yeah. I think, too, like we're naturally on this journey of figuring out like how God has wired us and, and that our identity is not in our, our own personality. And we don't have to lean that way, that he's given yeah. us all that we need in Jesus to be present, um, to help proclaim and demonstrate his goodness. And, and, we, and we sit here, too. Like, obviously, Brandon, I'm honored by the fact that you would, you would ask us to share um, but I'm also intimidated at some level too, because it's like, we are not the model neighbors, you know, and those who live in our neighborhood um, can attest to that. But I would say, here's what I would say, that the journey that we've been on um, have been all, all about steps of faithfulness. And um, to give a little bit clearer picture, kind of adding more to that journey, like we're still on this journey. Um, so we didn't know our neighbors in Brunswick. We stepped out in faith and we got to know them. We moved to Canton, like what, what does it look like for us now in Canton? Um, I would say it's taken really six years for, mm -hmm. for God really to develop consistent, deep relationships with people. Six years. Six years. Okay. That's good and, to know. This isn't an instant thing. But for us, it started with the simple, like the simplicity of learning people's names. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm big on trying to remember people's names and, and it, that's important to me. Um, and I would encourage everybody that's sitting here watching today, like part of neighboring well starts with, with knowing somebody's name. And I think James said it two weeks ago. Like you can't love somebody you don't know. Um, you, you, you can't really know somebody unless you learn their name. And for us, um, it, it was as simple as just mapping out the eight people around us. You know, Tony and Jessica that live across the street, John and Tammy live across to the corner, Diane um, and Dave, who her husband passed away within this past year. You got Scott and Casey next door. You got, um, you got Doug and Kelly diagonally across us. You got Jordan and Jordan and Danielle. I'm seeing you us. like map out your neighborhood. <laughs> you know, it's so really cool. You got Jim and Dolores, and, and again, I'm saying names of people, but for us, it's all about it's all about these people have real stories, yeah. and it's it's all tied to different things. And um, you know, little did I know that six years ago that just introducing myself and not trying to not trying to hit them with, "Hey, I'm a pastor," because that's not the first thing yeah, you go yeah. to. Because let's just be honest, part of neighboring is really weird. Like you yeah. know. Uh, we live by each other, but it's like we don't know how to get beyond the small talk and just care. 
uh, intentionally for each other. So for us, it was really about just getting to know people and building those deeper relationships and, um, and really just being okay with um, slowing down and, and being yeah. present and having, having enough space to let the organic things of the neighborhood happen. And uh, so, yeah, those are just some things for us that God has done. And he's uh, really blessed in the last six years of being able to allow us to be in the right spaces and the right times to encourage and pray for and pray with um, and meet needs and, and, and all kinds of things. Well, so, yeah. And something that, again, like you, you, you passed through it. I want to, I want to back up because you said something that um, I think is really important. You said to slow down, right, mm -hmm. to care, like to let these organic things happen. I think something we need to get a handle on as we think about neighboring is neighboring is not a tactic. It's an expectation. Like we think about neighboring and going like, well, if I, if I, if I love my neighbors well, man, then I will get them to church, right? And if, if I love my neighbors well, then we can have spiritual conversations. Or if I love my neighbors well, then, you know, honestly, some of us wrestle with this thing like, is God pleased with me if I don't love my neighbors well, right? Like loving is not a means to an end. Neighboring is not like I do this so that this can happen. Like, no, this is, Jesus just tells me to do this, and I'm going to leave that to him, right? I, I get the sense that you guys just honestly care and love your neighbors, right? Which is a wonderfully refreshing thing, because, like, we'll get to, we'll get to some heavy stuff here in just a bit, but, like, when we think about the kingdom of God coming, I'm not responsible for the conviction of my neighborhood and the convert. I, that's the Holy Spirit's job. My job is to be obedient to what Jesus is calling me to do, which is to slow down and care. And I hear, I hear that coming from both of you guys, so I think that's really important. So here's, here's something I want to ask, though. So let's get, let's get super practical. And Kara, I want, I want to hear what you have to say about this one first, okay? So neighboring, um, you know, because you guys are a family, okay? You, you come as a couple. And so whether you're watching as a couple, as a family, or as somebody who's single, um, there's impact, right? This isn't just you on a mission. This is this something else happening. So when we think about neighboring, no matter how many kids you've got, how does neighboring affect your family life? Okay, because your house, I know where I know where your house is. It's like on a corner, right? It's very mm -hmm. visible. Um, you guys are outside a lot. So talk about how does neighboring affect your family life? I do want to hear from, from both of you on this. And Kara, if you want Dave to go first, that's fine. You can elbow him or something. Yeah. No, we're good. Um, I would say we try to include them as much as possible um, with our neighbors. Like, we'll have neighbors walking dogs, and um, a lot of times if they're older, they see our kids, and they're like, oh, kids, and they have a dog, and my kids are like, oh, a dog, so they'll run, run and pet it, and um, so that just leaves for conversations that way. So sometimes our kids help bring people, um, like, in closer proximity where you can have a more in-depth conversation than just like a, hey, how are you doing kind of thing. Um, but also, like, as they see us, um, as our kids see us, hopefully, um, caring for other people, it causes them to hopefully want to do the same thing uh, as cool. where yeah. they, um, like, oh, my friend at school said this, like, mommy, can you do something, like, to help with this or whatnot, or, um, like, one girl lost her scissors, so Whitney brought a pair of scissors to her friend at school. That's sweet. <laughs> um, took them without asking her other sister, but... <laughs> That's beside the point. That's beside the point. She saw a need, and she's like, oh, I can, we have extra scissors at home, I'm going to take them to, to school for my, her friend. And um, just trying to get them to see outside of themselves, too, because we all tend to be kind of on the selfish side, um, mm -hmm. like whatever we can do for me. And um, our kids see are that way, too. Like we're all born with that selfish desire and we can get them to think outside of themselves a little bit. I feel like that goes a long way for them to see their need for Jesus, too. Which is, I mean, it's cool that you guys are jumping into that as well. 
you're taking that on yourself. It's like, we're the exact same way, right? Mm -hmm. And there's just as much selfishness in me as there is in my kids, sometimes more, right? And so, like, I've got to get rid of that first, and I've got to work on that for me. And so, like, this isn't me just teaching you how to neighbor everything I've learned. I hear you saying, like, no, we're, we're all in this together. I think that's really cool. Dave, what would you add to that? Yeah. Um, so the, the question, remind me of the So question. how does neighboring affect your family? Yeah, it, so it affects our family. Um, it, it, it's all about balance. So like, like Kara said, we, we try to include our kiddos in stuff as much as possible. Um, but if we're being honest, like there, there's sometimes uh, some challenges that it, that it brings about, you know, trying to be present, you know, hmm. but then also carve out time and margin for family. And, and, you know, it's all about having the right balance of not being overscheduled and being so rigid with our schedule that we don't have time for people. Um, you know, it reminds me of, you know, the passage in Luke chapter 10 when Jesus shares uh, the story about the Good Samaritan he follows up with well, with another story um, you know he, he, he shares about you know the it, you can go read it. it it's the story of Mary and Martha and it's really a lot of times we like to read that story and beat up on Martha because she was too busy and too preoccupied with all the other things and she wasn't there present being present with Jesus like like Mary was uh, but what Martha did was invite Jesus and the disciples into her home and uh, so that's a step of hospitality and um, one thing I think that Martha did well uh, was open up her life. Uh, one thing she probably didn't do so well in was she was so busy of trying to get everything together that mm -hmm. she missed what was right in front of her. Mm -hmm. And I think we can do the same thing too. Like so, for us, one of the uh, you know one of the challenges per se would be you know having enough margin in our schedule that we can actually be present with people uh, when organic things happen, when things naturally open up. Um, it's affected our family in a good way. It's allowed us to step into some things that we wouldn't have got to experience otherwise. So, tell me about some of those. So neighboring the way that you guys choose to, um, this isn't a checklist for you. This is, this is, you've, you've made this a way of your life. So what have been su some surprises that God has brought your way um, as, a, as it relates to your neighboring? So here, I mean, talk about either your, your neighbors that you do live around or even like, you know, your missional community, which I know is intensely local for you guys. Um, so what have been some surprises that God has brought your way that are just blessings that you feel like you would have missed out on had you remained solitary? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think just getting to know people's stories. Um, and there was an older gentleman. Um, he's in, it was, he was in his early 90s um, when we first moved here, and he had a dog named Max that he would walk up and down. He lived up the hill from us, and he would walk his dog up and down the hill, and he'd stop to let the kids um, pet him often. And one time around Christmas, time it must have been a warm day and I asked him if he was getting ready for the holidays and he said he hadn't been one much to celebrate much since his wife passed away um, mm -hmm. I think it was not too long ago but I can't remember exactly when but and that just kind of broke my heart um, he's he just seemed very sad and lonely after that like he was always kind and um, happy to see the kids but like after that I'm like he's really feeling lonely I think and so um, one way, um, another way to include our kids in this was we put together a little gift basket and took it to him at Christmas time and he invited us in and he was real sweet and just, I think just having a little bit of company, um, was like a way to, um, to bless him in a special way and then in turn that blessed us and our girls were able to see, hey, like it, there's more to this story than just getting presents from at Christmas time and like we can be, like our time and our, um, presence can be a gift to somebody. So That's just like huge. the little simple things like that, um, 
I think have been the, the biggest blessing um, as far as neighboring concerns for me. Um, yeah, I think something that God's surprised me with is just how simple um, stepping out and doing, you know, random acts of kindness. Um, and, and, and you don't do them with, with a target on somebody's back, but you do them with the intentionality of like, I want to get to know, like you said, their story and get to care for them and love them well like we are commanded to, you know, because out of out of what Jesus has done in us, like that should be the overflow of what what comes out of us mm-hmm. and what we give away to others. Um, so yeah, there's been a ton of various opportunities when people move into the neighborhood, we try to be intentional to go meet them. Um, again, plates of cookies are always a good thing. And uh, you know, how, how does it, going back to your last question, how does it affect our family? There's a lot of times I think I put things on Kara of like, hey, help us pull this off, help us initiate, help us get this. And, um, you know, it, it's it's teaching us uh, flexibility and adaptability and not to be so consumed with ourselves. But um, yeah, one way that God has really blessed us over the last six years is really just given us real relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you were to ask me seven years ago, if I knew if I knew any lost people, I lived inside of this ministry bubble where it's like mm-hmm. everyone I ran into was church people, yeah. you know, and it's like, you know, I hung out with students because I was a student pastor and it's like, you know, my, my vision for the lostness of my community was very sparse. And um, I, I would say that God has really opened up our eyes mm-hmm. to the needs of people around us and then just being obedient to step into that. And, you know, you, you shared that story about Mr. John and, and again, there's, our next door neighbors and they're probably listening, but sorry about this. Uh, so Scott and Casey, just in the last two years, how God has really knit our hearts with them and mm-hmm. um, just provided space for us to get to know them deeper and, and hang out with them at the lake or, or doing different things. And then when they, when they have a season where they've had some challenges with, you know, issues going on with, with, with family or sickness or something like that, we're able to be there and be present um, awesome. because we love them. Awesome. Um, and because we love Jesus. And it's like that, to me, is, is the way that God has blessed us to be able to see the bigger picture of the kingdom. Is like it actually is right around us. Yeah. The places where we live, work, and play. Like God wants us to know uh, those around us and live intentionally. And, um, you know, it's, again, like I said, it, it's about really mapping out who, who it is that lives around you and who's close to your life. Like who's your sphere of influence uh, that God wants you to to rub shoulders with to to make an impact for the gospel. That's huge. I that's so many things like going on in my head right now. And I say, hear you guys talk about it. It's 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 deeply refreshing. So I'm gonna go like off to a weird place for a second. So just hang on with me for a bit. Like we talk about these things, the way the gospel's applied in our life, right? So we have justification. It's a theological word for for being made right with God. This happens the instant that you confess Christ as your Savior. It's a legal declaration that you are made right with God. And then there's this lifelong process of sanctification, which means I'm, I'm being made more like Jesus, right? And nobody's perfect at this. Um, we're all at various stages of growth. We're all learning different things. Like this week, God's pressing into me about different things that like I was not aware of. I'm going, oh man, you know, so that's sanctification. It's this big thing. And then like at the point of, of death, when we get to go to heaven, to be in the presence of God, that's glorification where or we are made new, and then sin falls off in all of its forms. So um, we have this big spot in the middle called sanctification, and what I hear you guys talking about is neighboring is a part of my sanctification. And I think I want to extend that to, to all of us who are listening right now. Like this, you, you are not going to be the perfect neighbor. 
Um, and so stop holding that up to yourself, right? Stop trying to be Jesus for somebody. Um, you don't have to. You do this because you love Jesus. And um, because of what's happened to you, because of the cross, these things work their way out in you. And, um, and I love that. I think that's probably the, one of the most simple apologetics for neighboring that I've ever heard is just because we love Jesus. I'm just going to neighbor well just because I love Jesus. Um, I've heard people talk about that with foster care, right? Where they say, I, I just foster. Well, why wouldn't I do this? Because I love Jesus, right? Um, I've heard people talk about that with various ministries, from homeless ministry to whatever. I have to do this because I love Jesus. And there's a sense in which you feel constrained, like you couldn't sleep at night if you didn't do this, right? And um, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'll spin it a little bit. I wasn't going to go here quite yet, but we, we do have some more questions when we get to. But I want to I ask you to consider this while you're watching at home, like what... What is it that you feel constrained by, that you have to do? If, if you didn't do this, you wouldn't be obeying Jesus. And, and how does neighboring intersect with that? I'd, I'd be really interested to hear from those of you sitting at home or watching right now, like, how would you answer that question? Um, what do you feel Jesus pushing you to do? Um, and if, if I'm going to take your words and kind of impose them on that, it's like, it's probably something that looks a little bit like neighboring. Um, so something else, and, and thank you for the diatribe. I got my little, oh, you're good. Got my little sidewinder in. Um, when we when we talk about neighboring, you know, kind of another thing that I want us to consider is that everybody is a person of influence. And, and you talked about earlier, like sometimes your physical location. If you live in a space that's more sparsely populated, you may not have a like a geographical neighbor. Um, but in the world that we live in, obviously, you know, there's online communities there's you know we we shop in places right our kids are on baseball teams and like these things are even in our culture right now they're starting to warm up a little bit right we're starting to see you know things start to resume and you know things are kind of kicking back in gear um and so everybody is a person of influence you have influence to spend it's just a question of where are you spending it and on what cause and what i hear you guys saying again is just like it's just really about jesus it's all we really want to be known for and so um, I'm going to embarrass you by commending you and saying, like, well done. Like, I, I, want, I want to learn from that, and I want all of us to learn from that. Um, all right, so here, here's a question that I didn't, I didn't prepare you for, but it just came to my mind. So here you go. Kara's like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> um, so you guys are a part of a missional community, and we've talked about missional communities here at the chapel a lot. This is the primary format by which we make disciples here at the chapel. Um, we obviously, you know, we have gathered together here at 715 Whittier, and um, in months to come, we will resume that. Uh, we have adult Bible fellowships. We have student ministries. We have these different programmatic elements that, that work. But missional communities tend to be this like kind of gritty, in-your-face platform for discipleship. Um, so talk to me about how missional community has played into your understanding of neighboring. Because I know a lot of your missional community literally walk to your house. Yeah. Um, so give us a sketch just quickly. I'm not fishing for anything, yeah. but what does that look like for you? Yeah, no, that's that's really good. And I could have added that um, on the last section. I think you did ask about, you know, uh, missional community and all that stuff. It's uh, all right. I'm just going to keep pushing you. I get, I get so sidetracked <laughs> and focused on one thing, like I can't think beyond that. So, um, no, missional community is like the lifeblood of neighboring because the 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 reality of trying to think about neighboring alone, um, mm -hmm. living on mission alone is impossible. Um, oh, yeah. It's all about living in community. And community is messy, right? We say it here all the time. But the process of figuring that out together with other people mm -hmm. is that we're, we're 
including other people in the rhythms of, of caring for the needs of neighbors and neighborhoods and, and different things like that. And like you said, one of the things that God has surprised me with is how our, our missional community took shape. Um, you know, Dan and Crystal live 10, 10 houses down. Uh, Doug and Kelly live around the corner. Uh, Rob and Sarah live two or three streets over. And naturally, it's like we have a neighborhood community of people. Yeah. Um, some started coming here first and then gathering in the missional community. Some actually, their first point of entry to the North Canton Chapel was through our missional community and through relationships and opportunities that God had opened doors uh, with that and just really stepping in and, and loving people in that. So I would say like, you know, missional community for us has been, again, again this ongoing process of, uh, of rediscovering what the church is and what it mm-hmm. looks like and uh, growing together with other families. And, you know, neighboring is really all about um, including other people in that rhythm with us. Um, yeah, is there something you want to add to that? Um, not real good on the feet. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, hey, I would just say, like, our neighbors are able to have different relationships because with even with our own neighbors. So, um, like, they just because. Um, I mean, maybe it's where they're at, or maybe just personality differences. Like they may know of a need that um, yeah. we may not have known about, and like we then we can come together and work out a solution for that, or um, just they're able to relate better to an, another neighbor as opposed to um, me as a quieter personality. Like if they're mm-hmm. a quieter personality, sometimes we don't always mesh because neither one of us are talking. So <laughs> um, just I would say like that. Like you you need each other to be able to. Yeah. Um, to be a community and to love others, um, I think is God intended. Like we can't do it all on our own, and so having that. a group of people around you who feel the same way and are motivated by the same thing um, definitely helps encourage you to keep going when it feels really tough, and also to um, just to continue to work together. Love as that. Well. And how how important is that even during these times of COVID nineteen where? All of our life rhythms are upset, right? There's this larger theological point that you guys are alluding to that I want to I want to kind of key in on, um, and it's that the church doesn't have a mission. We think we think the church has a mission, right? That this this body of believers, you know, that that are here or scattered right now, the, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church, and so Jesus empowered us as his disciples to live on mission, and that's why we gather together. And that, that is what makes it so hard. In these times, it's like we're not able to gather to be equipped and to be under the Word of God in, in a personal sense. Um, but what you guys are saying is like, no, we're actually just creating a network, a web of people. And what I love is you guys aren't the center of it, right? It's just like you're just kind of enabling it to happen. And so, um, I, I, you know, if for some reason God were to pull you out of that, what you've what, what, what you've seen happen is that look at this little community that's that's happened. Right, this this community of Christ followers that are now living out a very Acts two lifestyle, right? Um, so with that, let me let me zoom way high. I've just got two like I guess larger questions for you. What like what is your vision for your neighborhood? And I, I, you probably wouldn't use that term, right? Like I, I don't think you have it you know written down that way and hanging on your refrigerator. Uh, nor should you. But if somebody were to say like, well, what do you want to see here? How would you answer that? What have I said since we since we moved in? What, what did I say? I feel like God's heartbeat for us was in our neighborhood. Do you remember? To be present. Yeah, but but I would also say too, like our vision for our neighborhood. Like we're not going to say that it's our vision for our neighborhood. Like 
we believe like God's purpose for putting us where he did intentionally because mm. we believe it wasn't accidental. Mm. He put us where, where he did intentionally to help bring people together, you know, yeah. um, to care for each other, to care for one another. And, and really as a neighborhood, just start seeing the needs of each other beyond ourselves. Um, because right. Uh, neighboring and missional community is all about sacrifice. It's all about considering others needs greater than your own. It's all about that. And, I've said since we moved in, like, you know, I, I really believe God's put us here to help bring people together. And it's mm-hmm. it's really interesting. Like you said, our, our, our house is like on the corner. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like on this cross section of all these other all these other places where it all comes together. And it's like, we're the corner house. We're going to always be outside and we're going to try to talk to people and bring people together. And uh, it's just amazing that God has been doing that. Um, but our vision, our vision also, I would say something that God has really stirred within me is also similar to the vision for the church. Um, Jesus prays in John chapter 17 for his disciples and for the church. He says, I pray that you will be one as uh, as I and the Father are one. Um, And really this picture of of unity. Um, My prayer for our neighborhood is that we would be unified. Um, Not just people have common interests and common living places, but we would actually know and love Jesus and be striving to care for one another um, in that medium. So, yeah, that's really kind of the heartbeat of what drives um, our neighboring. And, and again, like our neighboring is not targeting people, but it's just trying to live intentionally and, and uh, you know, love well in those spaces. So, Super cool. Love it. What, um, all right, so one click higher. That's you guys. What happens when an entire church neighbors well? So this is this, while, while you're thinking on that, I do want to hear from both of you on that because, like, uh, this is something that like we do, we pray over, we think about like God, would you would you teach us, would you show us what this looks like? Um, what happens when an entire church neighbors well? Like so this is a three week series, won't you be my neighbor? And um, what the ironic thing around all of this is that like in, in the middle of this neighboring or in the middle of this COVID nineteen thing, oh we're gonna do a series on neighboring, right? And so if you're feeling lonely before, like man, how how has these, these recent months just been so hard um, because we feel so isolated in so many ways. And so never has the need for a neighbor been so great, at least in, in my memory, right? And um, so if we could all get on this thing and say, like, it's not about marketing the North Canton Chapel, right? This isn't about like, hey, here's 10 reasons why you need to come to church, right? Because we, we could have that discussion and we could talk about it. But at the end, that's not neighboring. What happens when... When an entire church body lives on mission and, and neighbors well. Um, I think it gives the church a good testimony of like what mm. we're supposed to really be about. Um, a lot of times the church gets a bad rep. Like we get a bad rap of like not handling situations the correct way or people thinking we should act one way and we do the opposite. Or um, And one verse that popped into my mind um, is 1 Peter 2.12. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. Um, It says, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So, like, if the way that we live our lives can, um, we should live in such a way that they can't say anything against how we're living. Um, It's easier said than done, obviously, but at the same point in time, I feel... Like if we if we are doing what God's asked us to do and doing it in how He's asked, telling us to do it, then 
people aren't going to be able to say anything bad towards you, and they're going to know also, hopefully, where to come if they are mm. in need of something, knowing that you'll be true to your word and you will share God's love with them in a way that they need at that point in time. Oh, so well put. Like that, that, so you're going to have to yeah. say something following on the heels weekend, of that. right there. That was spot on. Yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, that's really good. I think that for me, that kind of helps trickle into the mandate for the church, right? You said, um, you know, the, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. We are God's plan A for the mm. world. The church is the people, the body of Christ. And, you know, the greatest apologetic that we have in today's day and age, pandemic, no pandemic, is that we would display the love of Jesus um, by the things that we say and by the things that we do. Um you know, Jesus says, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. So the way in which we love people um, is, is something that would be contagious and that the, the church would continue to advance and, and the gospel movement would continue to advance. Um, and it's as simple as the church being the church, stepping out in obedience of saying, like, I'm going to be faithful to the process of whatever the next right step is that God's calling mm-hmm. you to. And that next right step is a person, right? The next right step is a relationship. Uh, the next right step is a need that needs to be met or, or somebody that needs cared for or prayed for um, and simple things like that. But um, stepping back a little bit further, um, the ultimate goal you know, for the church, uh, I think, can be summarized in Habakkuk 2.14, where it says the earth will be filled with the glory of the knowledge of God as water covers the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, this, the, the movement of the church, the movement of the gospel is all about saturating the world so that every man, woman, and child would know Jesus, would come to know Jesus, would love Jesus, um, and have a personal relationship with them. Um, and, and by us being in, in encountering people in those spaces, they would encounter Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it goes back to, uh, you know, we talked about the great commandment to start this as neighboring, but also the great commission. Uh, Matthew 28, 19 and 20 kind of summarizes what we're supposed to do. It says, go therefore and, and teach all nations. But I'll just read it. I'll, Get there. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of two or three different um, translations, <laughs> which is not a problem. I got my own <laughs> paraphrase, but uh, let's, it, it's better to, to read what God's Word says here. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, All authority in heaven and earth, on, on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So I think the, the prayer for us as the church is, is as you are going, and if you look at the language there, it's be faithful to continue going and continue to be faithful to what God has, has called you to and the people that God's called you to. And, um, you know, I believe that, um, you know, discipleship and evangelism really kind of go hand in hand. So as you're continuing to proclaim, you are making disciples. And um, I just love what uh, the Apostle Paul says to the church at Ephesus, too. And I'll, I'll kind of close with this. Um, you know, what would it look like if the church lived on mission and loved their neighbors well? You know, the, it, it, it would just be this amazing picture of, of this gospel movement. And, and Paul, this is Paul's prayer to the church at Ephesus. It's kind of this doxology of sorts in chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church, in Christ, 
in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So it's about the glory of Jesus. Uh, the advance of the church and the spread of the gospel is about his glory and not ours. And, um, you know, I just, I, I would love to see that in the days ahead. You know, people living on mission, neighboring well, and just the glory of God, you know, filling filling the earth as water covers the sea, like the faculty says. So I love it. I love it. Like we, we hear those verses and maybe you, you picture like a great missions conference or, you know, people hopping on a plane to go to some out of the way place. And those, those verses are true for that. But it strikes me in the context of neighboring, those verses mean your kitchen table and they mean your backyard and they mean your front porch, right? You are, as you are going to those places, um, maybe even in a few minutes after, you know, you unplug your, your laptop from your TV or you turn off your phone and you stop watching even this, this segment together, you're going to go outside. That's where those things apply. And um, so thank you guys. Thank you guys so much for being here and, oh, and for being right. a part of this. This is so cool and sharing your story and I love to hear. So let me, um, could you close in a word of prayer, Dave? Absolutely. I love yeah. that. Yeah, let's pray. Yeah. Father, we thank you so much for this time. Just as we continue to uh, set out on your mission uh, as your people, God, that you have called us to people and places. And uh, sometimes we like to overthink that or, or make excuses about uh, what we can and cannot do and how we've been wired. And, and God, help just encourage us with the fact that you've given us all the tools that we need. Father, that our identity uh, is found in Jesus and that, that we've been empowered to live on mission and, um, and that we can do it. Uh, we just need to take steps of faith. And, um, and God, that we, we as a church uh, can be obedient to your mission. And uh, God, we just thank you so much for this time and just continue to work in our neighborhood, uh, just God, in the relationships that you've knit our hearts together with and in our missional community as we continue to, to grow and and, and, and just be sanctified uh, by your spirit, God, that you would use us in Canton and, uh, in a mighty way, God, to see your kingdom come. So, God, we thank you so much for this series. And, and God, allow us to reflect during this time how important it is for us to just uh, slow down and pause and just give you the credit and the glory for all of it. God, this we're going to step back and see that this is a blessing in disguise. And, God, ultimately you want us uh, to abide in you, to rest in you, and to... Uh, to, to advance your gospel. So God, help us to do that. Help us to be obedient uh, in the day-to-day -day this week. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, it goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at nchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces making much of Jesus every day to everyone.